Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. Well, here we are uh, here on the Sunday evening of Vision Night and Again, I feel like I had, you know, this morning talked about things that were more foundational, talking about the need for a church to be able to be what it needs to be and for us as Liberty Baptist Church to be what we need to be. It's not necessarily about adding more programs. It's not necessarily about seeing what we can do in this area or that area. But first and foremost, anything that we do as a church, it's because we have a desire to do his will. And we want to dig into his word. And I hope that meant something to you this morning because we saw, when you see in Psalm 40 how good God has been to us, how else can you respond to the goodness of God other than to say, I desire to do his will and I uh, have a desire to dig into his word. And then we just become so overflowing with what God has done with us that we just naturally want to serve him. Now, we want to give conduits. We want to give outlets within the local church for you to be able to do those things. And that's why in a few weeks, I will be presenting some things that will be new or reinstated or even ministries that we already have that just need new helpers. And so we'll have a sign-up Sunday, if you will, and talk about that in a few weeks. But I feel like that is beyond what we're trying to do here today on a vision day is to really just set the tone for why we're doing what we're doing. And then how are we going to do what God has called us to do? Sure, it's one thing for us to say as a church, we want to grow, we want to be who God wants us to be. And so the method of doing that is making sure that we are the people that God wants us to be. It's good and it's right for us to say that. However, practically speaking, then we got to do some stuff, right? I mean, it's good and it's right. I mean, it is right for us to say that the first and foremost, the foundational thing for us to do is to make sure that we are right with God as a church for us to be able to move ahead. But then, you know, we got to do stuff. You know, we got to have a picnic. Wasn't that fun on Monday? By the way, that was a blessing. I just, I just got a kick out of watching Dan Ford and cook hot dogs all morning. I mean, I was, I got it. It was kind of like that thing you saw when your kids. It's like uh, two for me, one for you, two for me, one for you. I felt like uh, that's the way that he was. He was living life. He, he was living his best life, and I enjoyed watching it. You know, but but there was something so normal about Monday. There was something so wonderful about seeing people just gather together, fellowshipping together, like we used to do before the world went the way it went, where we would get together and go to one another's houses and talk to one another and spend time with one another and shake hands with each other and hug one another and all those different things. I mean, those were things that we cherished as a church and things that kind of got stripped away from us. And I almost feel like we need to take some time to reset and say, okay, it's good to be right with God. In fact, it's right to be right with God. It's a requirement to be right with God. But then if we're going to be a church that God calls to be, what are some of the things that we're supposed to do? And we even saw this morning, very briefly, at the beginning of the message, that God has given us some instructions in his word of how we are to conduct ourselves and how we are to handle ourselves. And it really brings me back today to Acts chapter 2. And I feel about Acts chapter 2 the way I feel about Nehemiah. It's just such a foundational place in the word of God because it explains what the first church did and how we are to model ourselves after the first church. And the message that I have for you here tonight uh, is not a new message in the sense that I am presenting new truth to you. In fact, some of you have heard these truths in the past from me. 
and certainly from other churches if you were at good Bible-preaching churches in the past. However, I feel like Peter tonight who said, I bring you into remembrance of the things of which you have been previously taught and learned. Because there are times that as a pastor, I just want to kind of keep giving you new stuff so that you realize that I'm studying the Word of God and everything's new and it's fresh and it's exciting. Uh, you know, like going through the book of Daniel and we're digging every week and all that. But sometimes we just got to stop and clear off a spot and go over something we've been over before and remind ourselves why we do what we do. And that what we do is not out of just tradition. It's not out of just, well, this is the way we do things or, well, we're Baptists and that's why. But because the things that we do are anchored in the word of God. And so tonight the message is this, the title is this, what to do and how to do it. That's it, what to do and how to do it. Um, you can remain seated again tonight because I let you seat yourself this morning and uh, you'll look tired, all right? So Acts chapter two, no one disagreed. So I guess that tells me what I need to know. All right, good. Uh, Acts chapter two, I feel fresh as daisy. I didn't watch the football game this afternoon, so I feel great, all right? Acts chapter two, and was not going to sacrifice that nap. I can promise you that. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Who's they? The people that desired to be saved. Who were those people? The people that listened to Paul preach, or Peter preach, rather. Who were those people that listened to Peter preach? The people of the day of Pentecost. They that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them. Who is the unto them? The church. The church pre-existing on the day of Pentecost were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Can you stop for a second and just imagine a day where 3,000 people got saved? I'd be privileged to see 3,000 people get saved in my lifetime. And here is Peter. He preached the word of God, and 3,000 people came forward at the altar call, if you will. Unbelievable. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and all had things common. And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, and every man as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their bread with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Uh, what should Liberty Church, Liberty Baptist Church, be? This. This. I mean, I, I don't mean to be too dramatic here, but. What I look at here in the first church is the pattern that God has given Liberty Baptist Church to be. We're not here to be a social club. We're not here to be a bingo parlor. Uh, we're not here to be a church bazaar, although I'd say we're pretty bizarre. Uh, we're not here uh, to be uh, any of those things. <laughs> what has God called us to be? What to do? How to do it? The answer is this. And I want us to take a few minutes to look at what this is tonight and how people who have a heart that are right with God how do they move forward and how do they move a church forward for the cause of Christ? That's what the vision's about and that's what we're going to look at here tonight. Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us as we continue in your word. Just be with us. Help us, Lord. You know my heart's desire this evening and, and my desire for this church, for the people who are here tonight. Lord, for the people who aren't here tonight. Lord, for the people who are in this community who need to be saved. And I pray that passion would come across tonight, Lord, but it would be based not just in my emotions, Lord, for that will not change anything, but that it will be based completely and solely on your word. Lord, may your cross be what shines through here tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love that this church was a daily church. Do you realize that? That there was something happening at this church on a daily basis. You know, some uh, argue about whether 
Should we have a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service or Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or how many times should people meet in the house of God? And I know the constraints of today are different than they would have been during that time, but I do see that the church today uh, and the church of uh, the first century would have had quite different opinions about when the church should meet. Uh, We think maybe that we're doing pretty well meeting three times a week, and the church of that time would have met daily. It says daily they were meeting together, daily there was activity, and daily the Lord was adding to the church those who should be saved. There was daily activity going on in the church. Now, can we as a church meet together daily in this society that we live in today? I think the answer would be no. When you're working 40 hours a week and when you have the constraints of home and of school and all of those things, if I was to say, here's my vision for Liberty Baptist Church tonight. We're going to have church seven days a week. Well, uh, first my wife would kill me and then you all would kill me and then we'd all be done and then it'd be over with and well, that would be the end of the vision Uh, because we have responsibilities, don't we? It's not that we wouldn't want to do this every day. It's not that we wouldn't enjoy being able to have the encouragement from the word of God every day, but we just, well, the society that we live in requires us to be able to do some things that means we can't get to the house of God every single night at seven o'clock to be able to come together and hear the word of God. And although we as a church cannot be a seven day church in the sense that we have services uh, every seven days, I believe we can be a seven day church uh, in one week by being a church who is active in doing the work of the ministry all seven days of the week. Uh, that means that we look for opportunities to witness all seven days of the week. We look for reasons to encourage each other all seven days of the week. Uh, we look for people that are in the community that are hurting, uh, that we can be a blessing to. Maybe that, in our estimation, don't seem to deserve it, but we do it anyway to show them the love of Christ. Uh, that is what a seven-day-a-week church does. And we, as a church, should be a church that is ministering uh, all seven days. But this church was united. Uh, now, again, it was the very early days. There there was none of the, uh, it was probably those early, really amazing days. Like I think of even the first year or so that we were here at Liberty Baptist Church. And I mean, there were almost never any problems. And the problems that we had were so small, so minute, uh, because everyone was just happy to be here. And there was joy and there was fellowship and there was excitement. None of you were here during that time. Well, one of you was here during that time. That's good. And he's still here tonight. How do you like that? He's, he's, uh, I think that's a blessing. The very first service, Jim Jerome was here. Uh, and, uh, oh yeah, Kaylee was too. Yeah. Congratulations, Kaylee and AJ. Diane, you were here too. All right. That's good. Yeah. You're playing the piano. Well, people know we were there. Okay. Look, don't give me a hard time. It's not like I didn't, I forgot to bring my Bible, my notes up here or anything like that. I'm doing the best I can with what I have, all right? Still thinking about Dan Fordsman cooking the hot dogs, so I'm having some trouble uh, with that here tonight. But they were united, uh, this church was, in those early days, and they were united in several different areas. And again, these are not new to us tonight, but they are worthy of us being reminded of why we're here. And so I hope that you'll just give me a few minutes to go over these here once again. I first see that they were united in the Apostles' Doctrine. That's in verse number 42. Uh, There was a focus in the early church to continue in the apostles' doctrine. Now, you understand that the doctrine of the apostles wasn't actually the doctrine that belonged to the apostles. It did not originate with the apostles themselves. The apostles were preaching the doctrine of Christ. And so the apostles' doctrine they were continuing in was really the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you would say, if you were continuing in my doctrine, which uh, would be a scary thing for you to say, but I hope that you would be able to say that if you continued in my doctrine, that you would be following in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Because we should strive every day in every way to consider that we are in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And listen, we think we know it all. We don't know it all. Uh, we think that we have it all a, a grasp, and we don't always have a grasp. Um, I, I feel like every once in a while, sometimes I feel like a Bible jukebox. Uh, and somebody would say, what do you think about this verse? And what do you think about this verse? And I have to say, uh, 
Play it again, Sam. Uh, but because uh, I don't know necessarily the answer. But we, uh, uh, Brother Vince was talking to me on Wednesday night about a verse. And I started doing some research on it on Thursday and started looking up some things about it. And I realized uh, it had changed a little bit of a notion that I had about something about the angels before. And I really want to study it a little bit more because it, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm reading it. And so I can either trust in my own mind or just trust the word of God. What it says, not just the verse he showed me, but another verse that's exactly the same in the book of Psalms as well. And, and you know what it did? It stretched me a little bit. To think about, well, what do I believe about this with angels and what that? And, uh, and so it was something that was helpful. But this is what we had to realize that for us as a church, we have to continue in the apostles' doctrine, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. We cannot change our doctrine to fit the times. We cannot change our doctrine uh, to fit what is acceptable. In fact, I will say this, the doctrine that we hold as a church will become more and more unacceptable to the world over time. And it's not because we have changed one iota. It's because we have remained the same and the world continues to change and to shift every single day. And so because of that, uh, there is this desire sometimes in the church that we should shift to become more relevant, or we should shift to make sure that we are not uh, being uh, offensive to the world. And, and may I tell you that what we are to do as the doctrine, uh, as the church of Jesus Christ, is to preach only the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Our goal is not to just make sure that we have a separation from the world. I think sometimes I think that's what we, we believe we have to do. Because here's what happens. If the world is here, you say, where is this? Just follow me for a second. If the world is here, and we are here, meaning we're not with the world, we're separated. Let's say this is 1950, and the world's here. You say here? Yeah, right here. And, we're, and the church is here. By the 1980s, where the world was here, it's now here. If the church just stays separated, well, where is the church now? It's just behind by a couple decades. By 2020, it's over here, and the church moves over here. We're still separated from the world, but guess where we are? We're now just separated by a few decades and we're believing something that's different. No, no, if we're to, to, to hold the apostles' doctrine, separation from the world does not mean we need to be apart from the world a certain distance. Separation from the world means this, is that I need to be where Jesus Christ is and I don't need to move. I don't need to gauge myself by where the world is. In fact, the world is the worst barometer you possibly can use. If you want to know where your doctrine is, and if you want to know that you are not straying from the moorings of the word of God, do not gauge where we are. Do not gauge where you are by where the world is. No, gauge where you are according to the word of God and the God of the word. That's how you know where we are as a church or where you are in your personal walk with God. That's what we must do. We must continue in the apostles' doctrine, which was the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And ecumenicalism today in the church world, the emerging church would say, just drop all doctrinal ties. Drop them. Just name the name of Jesus Christ. And as long as everyone names the name of Jesus Christ, it's all good. But I would remind you that the Mormons name the name of Jesus Christ. And the Jehovah Witnesses name the name of Jesus Christ. And the Catholics name the name of Jesus Christ. And when each of those groups speak the name of Jesus Christ, they mean something different, don't they? And so what do we need to do? No, we don't base our doctrine on what the world says, whether it's about the doctrine of Jesus Christ or the doctrine of societal issues that we see that are around us. No, what we do is we say, where's God? That's where I need to be. Bottom line. Why? First Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Scripture, doctrine, uh, it goes together. Romans 6.17. But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart 
that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. We talk about the heart so often, but what does he say? You have delivered, you've taken the doctrine that was given to you to the heart. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. You know, we don't preach that very often anymore, but we have to remind ourselves this, that there are some who preach a false doctrine and what are we to do? We are to avoid them in the context of the church, that we don't want a part of what they are doing within this church. 1 Timothy 4, 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourish up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Meaning this, there's good doctrine and there's bad doctrine and we be nourished up by good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained first timothy 4 13 till i come give attendance to reading to exhortation to doctrine uh first timothy 4 16 again these are all being told to timothy a young preacher he says this take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them for in thou doing thou shalt save thyself and them that hear me first timothy 6 3 and 4 if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words even the words of our lord jesus christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness he is proud knowing nothing by the way i'll just throw this in for free here tonight but it's one thing to have the right doctrine you better have the right spirit with the right doctrine it's good to have the right doctrine but you have to have the right spirit with the right doctrine. Uh, I can tell you uh, of plenty of preachers uh, that will get up into the pulpit and they will not uh, take the word uh, to the flock. Uh, they will end up beating the flock with the word. A and in the name of looking tough, in the name of looking fundamental, in the name of looking like the man of God. And, and friend, the Bible tells us here that we're to consent to wholesome words, meaning this, that there are times that we have to preach the word of God gun barrel straight. We don't apologize for sin when we preach about it, but we don't have to be angry to everybody about it, that we just tell the word of God as it is to people where they are and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that only he can do. Uh, we don't want to mince words. I don't ever want you to leave Liberty Baptist Church and say, what was he actually talking about? Uh, like we're listening to politicians or like we're listening to a lecture uh, at a local college. Uh, no, I hope that when you come here, when you leave, you say, well, I know what he was saying. I may not understand it, uh, how it applies in my life yet. I'm waiting for the spirit to help me apply it. Or maybe you'd say, uh, I don't know that I'm there yet. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me to be able to get to that place because I see what he's saying. But I hope that you understand that, that these words are, are meant for us, for our example. And I hope you understand what you hear when you leave. And I hope that you get the right spirit too. I hope that you get the right spirit. I, I can be sarcastic at times. In fact, I've felt it bubble up the last few weeks. And sometimes even when I, I'm sarcastic, I'm more doing it for humor than out of anger. But even then I have to be careful because maybe someone doesn't know me or doesn't understand me or they hear me online uh, on, on our, our website and they think uh, that I'm actually being truly sarcastic with someone. And no, I, man, if I knew that I hurt someone uh, by being sarcastic during a sermon, it would absolutely destroy me uh, to know that I had hurt someone in their walk with Christ because of the way I presented the word. So what do we need to do? We have to be united in the apostles' doctrine. The doctrine is so vital. Listen, if, if we don't even know why we're here, then why are we here? If we can't agree on the word of God, then why are we here? And so we're united in the apostles' doctrine, but we're also united in fellowship together. Uh, it says this in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You say, Pastor, I know what you're talking about. We had one of those on Monday. Uh, we had one of those a few weeks ago when uh, the Shives were here, uh, the missionaries, and we brought some food in. A and that is what we would call a church fellowship, but that's not what fellowship is all about. Uh, fellowship is much more than having a church potluck. In fact, I've used this term here before because it, 
I can't think of a more apt description of fellowship than this. Uh, when Dr. Shoemate, the man that I worked with at, at uh, Westgate for many years, uh, who was an elderly man, he preached the Bible for 50 some years. Uh, and he said, fellowship is just a bunch of fellows in the same ship. Meaning this, if you're all on the same ship, you're going the same place. You're going the same direction. And, and you know, I wasn't in the, in the Navy like Brother Vince was, but I know this that, uh, oh, sorry about that. You can edit that out. Uh, but uh, I wasn't in the Navy. But I do know this is that if you're in the same ship, you're going the same direction. And so for us, what do we do as fellowshippers together? Uh, we are all going the same direction. That's the, that's the desire. That it's not my agenda and your agenda. That people don't come to church because they're trying to network for their business. That people don't come to church because uh, they're trying to uh, uh, see if they can impress their spouse and try to uh, uh, do something like that. That they're coming because we all have the same idea. We're here to glorify the Lord. And we fellowship together and we can get together. And listen, can I be honest with you, friend? If we can't get together and get along here in the house of God, what hope do we have out in the world with people that truly don't like us? And it's hard because Christians can be hard to get along with sometimes. You know, I was looking back just at the last month or two, and I think of some of the difficulties and troubles that I have had and I've experienced. And I thought, you know what? Most of these troubles and experiences that I've had, and I'm not really talking about here in the church, so I want to be careful how I say this because it's not true in the church, but in dealing with other churches, different people, most of the problems I've had have been with other Christians. Like I've, in many times, had less problems with the world than I have with people who've named the name of Christ. Again, I'm not looking at anyone in here in this room and saying that tonight, but I'm saying we have to be careful uh, that we don't uh, ruin the fellowship that we are supposed to have together. Uh, fellowship isn't about our bellies, it's about our hearts. Uh, and that's where we get it mixed up sometimes. We think it's about having a meal and having a good day, but no, it's about sharing the same heart for God together. And the Greek word for fellowship gives the idea of an intimacy and a closeness between people, that we have this closeness with one another. That's why we can be closer to each other than some of our own blood relatives. That's why some of our own blood relatives, it, it, when you see them at Thanksgiving, you're thinking, Lord, help me because it's it's going to be a time, uh, but you get to come into the house of God and maybe you've had a rough week and you think, boy, if I could just sit down and talk to so-and-so on Sunday, it would really do me some good. Or maybe there's a friend here at the church that you can pray with or text or something like that. Uh, what is that? That's fellowship. That's real fellowship that we have through the blood uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians 3.10 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ suffered. Uh, and we are to fellowship with him in those sufferings together. Uh, what do we do? We fellowship with each other in our sufferings. We also fellowship in our joys as well. Uh, what are we to do? We are to fellowship with each other, to be united in fellowship. But I also see this, we're to be united uh, as well in, in uh, the breaking of bread. Uh, look at what it says again in verse 42. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. Now you say, well, pastor, uh, didn't we just talk about that? No, obviously this is different from fellowship. Is there anything, is there anything wrong with breaking the bread? No, I actually kind of like breaking bread. That's kind of a neat thing, isn't it? We, we kind of we miss it. I just like bread in general. I went to White's Bakery after church. I'm pretty sure I ate half a loaf myself this afternoon now that I think about it. Uh, carving it up, it was good. I enjoyed it. I like breaking bread. Uh, I'll break bread with you. I'll break bread by myself. Uh, I, just, I just like it. Uh, but actually, if you're breaking bread by yourself, you're not really breaking bread, are you? Um. And I will say this, when it's talking about breaking of bread, it's not talking about the Lord's Supper. And the reason I believe that is it says because they went and did this from house to house. 
We don't go from house to house and have the Lord's Supper with each other. Uh, that's a different memorial uh, of what Jesus Christ had done for us. No, they had fellowship. They broke bread. You know what this is about? The Bible word we would use for this uh, later on in the New Testament is hospitality. It's hospitality. Can I be honest with you? I think this is something that we've lost as a society the last couple years for obvious reasons. Uh, but I think it's something even for us as a church that we have lost over the last few years as well to be able to have one another in our homes or to be able to invite each other out to eat or to go out and to have a cup of coffee. Uh, I feel like those are things that we used to do better than we did. I'll be honest with you, for our family, we enjoy, we love having the hospitality. It's been hard for us the last few years with health issues and such and for Diane. And it seems like every time we start having people over to our house on Sunday afternoon, it seems like everything goes kaput uh, again, all over again. Uh, but but I, I enjoy the fellowship, being able to not just fellowship, but break bread together. I'm using the word fellowship as it's not supposed to be used, but the breaking of bread, being able to get together with each other, sit across a table uh, from one another, look each other in the eyes. And this is a society today that doesn't want to look each other in the eyes. They want to text each other everything. They want to DM each other everything. Uh, they want to uh, uh, call uh, sometimes. And sometimes you just got to sit across the table from somebody and look at them and break bread or have a piece of cake or drink a cup of coffee. And break a bread with one another. And what an important thing that that is for us to do. And I would say that for us as a church in the future, one of my hopes and prayers for us is for us to continue in this breaking of bread and do better in the breaking of bread as well. One of the things I love that we did the first few years is we had lunch with the pastor here at the church. And we would take the church role and we would divide it up by letters of last name. And so we'd have about four or five different people every Sunday here for about a month. It was grueling, uh, but it was a lot of fun to be able to go through and do that with everybody. Those are the kind of things that I want us to do again. If you want to, some practical things I'm looking for us to do as a church to increase is to increase in that kind of breaking of bread together to be able to do those things. But oftentimes people will say, Pastor, will you? But I'm going to be honest with you, the best types of breaking of bread as a church is when people organically do it themselves. Now, we need to do it. In fact, it's one of the requirements of a pastor to be given to hospitality. Uh, but at the same time, it's great for us to be able to do together. And by the way, don't say that you don't have a lot of money and you can't do it, uh, breaking of bread, because you don't have to have people over for a lavish meal. You don't. Now, some of you are amazing cooks. In fact, I think like all of you are amazing cooks. Now that I think about it, not not you, okay. Uh, so <laughs> you didn't need to do that during the sermon, Marcia, but that's okay. Uh, I remember we were over once at the, at the Salonius house and Ruth cooked us this amazing soup or something like that and it was done and i thought well this is great and i started getting up and she goes oh no that's just the first course <laughs> i thought if that was my dinner i would have been happy she had soup and bread uh but then what happened there was another course another course and i think there was a suckling pig by the time we were done i mean there's stuff everywhere i tell you i enjoyed it i mean breaking a bread and i hope that some of you have memories like that either at our home or uh, at other people's homes here as well that's what churches do they broke bread together and boy wasn't it important back then when people wouldn't have had a lot that it wasn't just that for enjoyment, but it really would have been to also help sustain them as well. And so I think that's an element that we miss of that because we have so much bounty in our country that sometimes breaking of bread wasn't about, hey, let's just get together for a social call, but it was about, we may need this to help us survive. And if I have bread, then you have bread. And if you have bread, can you help me have bread? And I think that bears out later on when it says, 
uh, in verse number 45, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily uh, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. By the way, again, this isn't my message, but there were some people who would use verse number 45 as a proof text for socialism or as a proof text for communism uh, that, uh, that well, look, uh, everyone uh, put everything in a collective pot and then everyone drew out together. Uh, may I say tonight, I was going to be sarcastic. I'm not going to be sarcastic. See, I just said it. I could, I could feel it coming out there for a second. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but here, here's why that is not the case. Uh, just to be very clear, uh, a socialism says this, I take from you to distribute to everyone. True biblical Christianity says, I give to you to distribute to everyone. Margaret Thatcher said it best. It says uh, socialism works uh, great until you run out of other people's money. And I think that's true, isn't it? Socialism says, I will take and redistribute. We as Christians say, we receive from the Lord and freely distribute. Now, by the way, if this was socialism, uh, it, it says that they all uh, had all things common, but then there were people that had need. So if they all put together in one pot, then why would anyone have had a need? in the first place. So even just in the very verse itself, it would disprove that's what's going on. But what it was, was they were breaking bread together and they realized there were people that sometimes had needs and they would put in the pot together. That's why you see in Acts chapter five, when Ananias and Sapphira come in and they're laying out this special offering and Ananias walks in, you know, with his gold watch kind of twirling it around and, and Peter says, how much is this? And he says, well, let me, let me tell you how much this is and lied about it before the Lord and died right there. And his wife did the same. Uh, uh, why? Uh, because they were just giving, not because they were supposed to. It was a free will offering uh, that they were trying to be able to help one another. And so uh, they were united in that breaking of bread. They were united in prayer as well. Do you see that? They were united in prayer. I'm not going to say much about this tonight because uh, we've talked much about prayer, I feel like, over the last few weeks, especially in the book of Daniel. Uh, but prayer uh, must start by oneself in one's closet. But I believe a healthy prayer life extends to many people together. I think it's good for men to pray together on Sunday morning. I think it's good uh, for our ladies to pray together. I think it's good for us to pray together on Wednesday night. And I have said this for a while, but I'm looking to retool our Wednesday night a little bit more so that we have more time to actually pray so that the requests are not the most, uh, the, the, uh, most time, but the prayer is the most time. But I don't want to do it in a way that makes people feel like their requests aren't important. And so I want to find a way to do that to balance it because I don't want to uh, make people feel like we're just skipping right over them to get to the prayer. But at the same time, we got to make sure that we have some time of corporate prayer together. But, but listen, uh, a prayer uh, corporately can be a difficult thing because people can do it in a way to show off. People can pray in the King James Bible. Did you know that? You ever hear someone pray in King James uh, uh, Version before? Meaning that they were, oh, thou, Lord, you know, we, but we don't talk like that today. Uh, and sometimes if we're not careful, we can pray publicly for show. And I don't think God gets any honor. I don't think God gets any blessing from that. But I think we should still find ways to bring our hearts to be close to God and pray publicly. Uh, Jesus prayed in front of the disciples. Uh, we see that he desired to have his disciples to pray together with him, to watch and pray, although they would not. Uh, I think we see a prayer meeting several times in the book of Acts, including when Peter was held in prison uh, and uh, they were praying so much that uh, all of a sudden Peter was released from prison by the angel. He knocked on the door and they didn't even believe it was him. Some prayer meeting. Huh? They were praying for him to be released and he came to the door and they said, ah, never mind. That can't be Peter uh, because uh, weren't you just praying for that? <laughs> and so uh, there, there were times of that that they did that together. 
Some of my favorite times here at church was when we had times of corporate prayer. We had a prayer meeting here several years ago for a young lady who was in a very tragic situation. And we came here on a Saturday morning. We called a church prayer meeting, prayer and fasting. And the Lord did a great work uh, that day because the church came together, not so people could show off, not, not so people could see who was the best prayer. Who offers the best prayers? Well, no, that's not why we do it. We just offer humble praise, or humble prayers before the Lord. So they were united in these things, but I also see this, they were united in praise. Do you see that in the, Lord, in the verse number 47? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. You know, we talk a lot at our church about worship, and I think rightly so. We talk a lot about worship. We have a worship time uh, here at our church every Sunday morning. And as I've said before, that worship time publicly should just be an extension of what we do privately in our worship time, much like prayer, because prayer and worship are, excuse me, uniquely intertwined together. But I, I think with all of the emphasis on worship, sometimes maybe we forget the fact that, well, we need to offer praise to the Lord as well that we need to praise him. Uh, praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed redeemer. Uh, uh, he has done so much for us. How can we do anything uh, but just praise the Lord for all uh, that he has done for us? And they were united together in praising God. Praising God is not bringing out a band. That's, well, that's a praise band. No, no, that's, that's not a praise band. Uh, that, that may be called a praise band, but it's not. Uh, praise is offering our hearts uh, to the Lord, even our hands to the Lord, uh, uh, shouting unto the Lord, certainly those things, but saying, Lord, uh, I praise you for what you have done in my life. Uh, only you uh, could have done these things. And, and I just have a heart that is overloaded with joy and thanksgiving, and I can do nothing but offer praise to you. But, you know, the world offers praise to a lot of people who are unworthy. I can tell you what happened today on gridirons all across the country. There were people who were cheered, many of whom were of low character and low, low esteem. But as long as they can tote a skin, a pig skin around, then people will cheer for them like they are the toast of the world. Uh, there are those who will go uh, up on stage and no one cares about what quality of person that they are. But if they offer a performance that moves a crowd, that people will literally give, what do we call it, a standing ovation. Uh, and they'll, they'll throw flowers onto the stage and, and offer the adulation uh, of the world, adulation uh, of the world. Uh, that praise is offered to many who are unworthy, but it's always worthy to offer praise to God. It's always, He is worthy of all of our praise and to be united in those things. So what do we do as a church? What to do and how to do it? Well, I haven't given you a lot of specifics tonight. That's on purpose. But what I tell you tonight is that what we do deals with these things. And what we will continue to do deals with these things, with doctrine. That's why discipleship's important. Doctrine. Not just teaching people what the Baptist doctrine is, but how to have a Christian life and how to be able to have a walk with the Lord. Discipleship. Doctrine. Fellowship being able to have some things where we come together, not necessarily to eat, but to come together and have one heart together. Breaking of bread, yeah. Well, I have some times where we eat and enjoy ourselves, to enjoy the camaraderie uh, over a meal. Uh, prayer, to be able to continue our men's prayer, to expand upon it, to have more that come. 
to, to one of the great driving forces. I think one of the great success stories of Liberty Baptist Church in nine years is the men's prayer meeting where men have learned how to preach and learn how to be able to give the word of God and now have come from the charge that they give on a Sunday morning and now will literally fill in the pulpit when I'm gone because of that time we've had of prayer and to be able to offer up praise to the Lord then to see in that same day that we pray for something in the morning to see God bring it to pass that morning or that night. Can I tell you, it's one of the greatest joys that we have here, but to continue in those kind of things in prayers uh, to continue in praising God together. It's a joy to come to church. It's a joy to come to church. We may not always feel like it's a joy to come to church. Sometimes maybe in our flesh, we feel like it's a bit of a drudgery. Oh, I'd like to do this. Or I don't feel like going, or I'm a little tired, or if I could just have a day off, or if I could just uh, be able to, uh, to uh, uh, maybe just not go this week and I'll, I'll catch up next week, or I'll, uh, I'll do all of that. Uh, friend, listen, I'm not going to come hunt you down. I, I'm not. Well, I mean, if you're gone long enough, I, I will come hunt you down in a, in, a, in, a, in a friendly way to make sure you're okay. But, but even then, even then, in all the visits I've made in nine years, it's not, where have you been? What's going on? No, we're just concerned for you. Why? Because I want it as much as I can, maybe not in my flesh, but in my spirit, as much as I can, I want to be in here and praise the Lord for what he's done. Now, should I praise him outside of this building? Yes, but there's something wonderful about having us all lift our voices together in praise to God, to, to sing the old rugged cross. How could you not believe that that was one of the most beloved hymns of the 20th century when you read the words of that? That's just praise to God. For what for, for his cross for what he did where else are you gonna get that but in the house of god so what are we doing as a church well it starts with this it starts not with programs it starts not with here's five things that we're going to start in the next two months it starts with do i delight in his will am i going to dig into his word am i personally going to have a foundation of having a right relationship with him because without that any of these other things matter not. But then when we do add the programs, which I want to, I want to add a discipleship class. I'd like to have another junior church. I'd like to make sure our nursery is always fully staffed. I would love to have specials, uh, again, where we have more people offering the specials. And I would love to be able to have an ensemble again. And I'd love to be able uh, to have uh, uh, some of these things. I'd love to have a Christmas cantata. I, I would love for us to be able to have something around Easter time to be able to have the same, to be able to invite people from the community. I would love to expand upon our Vacation Bible School. I would love to have more community outreaches like we just had a couple weeks ago and like we're going to have again at the beginning of October. I, I would like for us to be able to, to have uh, more Sunday school classes and more Bible studies and more opportunities and all those things. I want us to have all those things, but first, but first, Oh, and by the way, say, but, but, but don't we need more people here? Well, I'd like more people here. In a town of 23,000, I think we could have two or three more people here. Especially when most of you don't even live in this town. I think we'd like a few more people here. But the method of having a bunch of people come here is not, let's hire somebody. It's not even, let's do more advertising, which we have in the last two, three or four months. Direct advertising, door-to-door, -door, all these different things. It starts with one heart, your heart, and my heart. Do I desire to do his will? Do I dig into his word? And then when we have these ministries, does it help us with the apostles' doctrine? Does it help us with fellowship? With the breaking of bread, of prayers, 
of offering praise to the Lord? I think if we do, we could see daily results. Daily prayers answered. Daily people saved. Daily families changed. Daily uh, uh, children being restored to parents. Daily uh, 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 marriages uh, being brought back from the brink. Daily we could see things happen in Easton and in Brockton and all the towns around us. Daily if we are the people that God calls us to be. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org, or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in His Word.